Welcome to our weekly podcast. Today, we're beginning a brand new message series called The Struggle is Real. For the first message in this series, I want to address the following question. What is the root cause of most of our struggles? Not every struggle that we experience, but most of them. What is the root cause of most of our struggles? Friends, I'd like for us to allow God to use his word to perform open heart surgery on all of us today. Now, when you hear that, you're probably thinking, Craig, that doesn't sound fun at all. Well, here's what I mean by open heart surgery. We need to open our hearts today to God's word. We need to open our hearts to his leading in our lives. We need to allow him to do what only he can do. If I were to ask you, what is your biggest struggle? What would you say? Think about that for just a moment. What is your biggest struggle? You know, I'm guessing if I were to survey those who are listening to the podcast today, there'd be a number of different answers to this question. Some of you would say that your biggest struggle is finances. You have finance issues right now, whether it's with paying bills, taking care of the mortgage, keeping your bank account where you want it. You have struggle with your finances. Others would say, my marriage. You know, for many of you, your marriage might be the biggest struggle that you're facing this season. Several of you would likely say that it's your job or work-related issues. Your biggest struggle might be something else altogether. It might be friendship-related. It might be with your in-laws. It might be medical issues or the kids. This might shock you. What if I told you that our biggest struggle is none of the above, but is ourselves? Our biggest struggle isn't with the people who annoy us or with our circumstances. Friends, our biggest struggle is with ourselves. And as Christians, when we're able to recognize and confront the struggle that's happening inside all of us, the battle and the war that's waging in our hearts and minds, it's going to help us with all the other struggles that we face in life. In fact, recognizing and confronting the kind of struggle that I'm talking about today may even solve the other struggles that you go through. You might remember a cartoonist by the name of Walt Kelly. Now, Walt died long before I was born, long before many of you were born, in fact. Uh, But in 1970, he came up with a saying that has lasted for over 50 years. And the saying is this, we have met the enemy, and the enemy is us. I'd be curious to know how many of you remember that. But there's a lot of truth in this statement. You, You and I are the biggest problem. Our biggest struggle is with ourselves Most of the time, we're our own worst enemy, not the world around us or the circumstances that we experience. Think about these questions for a moment. Is anyone harder on you than yourself? Is anyone more critical of you than yourself? Even as Christians, especially as Christians, we're our own worst enemy at times. And most of the time, I don't think Satan has to worry about tempting me because I do a pretty good job at messing up my own life. You know, leave me to my own devices. I can make a mess of things pretty quickly. Are any of you in the same boat? Let me reassure you that if you've ever felt this way or if you feel like this right now, you're in the right place today. You're listening to the right podcast. What I'm going to talk about today is so important if we're going to effectively follow Jesus. In fact, if we don't get this, chances are we're going to live a life of discouragement, despair, and struggle, feeling like we just want to throw in the towel and quit. But thankfully, there's some good news, and we're going to talk about that good news today. The good news is that through the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul was able to clearly write about this truth in one of his letters. The Apostle Paul 
was a former Pharisee turned missionary for God. You know, his life was completely transformed by Jesus, yet he still struggled with a lot of things. Around AD 57, Paul wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome. Now, he had no idea that this letter would become part of the Bible and that it would be read by generations of Christians. He had no idea. In this particular letter, he very clearly described an inward struggle that he faced. Now, personally, I don't think I would have been able to write about all of my struggles if I knew that a large group of strangers was going to read them. Thankfully, he was willing to share his heart so that you and I could know that there's hope. You see, God inspired Paul to write about a serious struggle that he faced. And I'm so glad that he did, because what he wrote about is true of every single one of us as followers of Jesus. Friends, we tend to believe the lie that we're alone in our struggles. But that couldn't be further from the truth. We tend to believe the lie that what goes on in our hearts and in our minds is unique to us. But that couldn't be further from the truth either. In this particular letter, we're reminded that even as Christians, we're not perfect. We sin, we struggle, and we experience hard times. So let's dive into today's passage. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Romans chapter 7. We're going to read verses 14 through 25, and then we'll go back and unpack what we read. So Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Whether you're a new Christian or have been a Christian for many years, understanding and applying what Paul wrote about is essential when it comes to understanding ourselves and learning how to effectively follow Jesus. So let's start by talking about the cost of this inward struggle that Paul wrote about. It's an inward struggle that we all experience. First, our inward struggle leads to confusion. It leads to confusion. We see this in verses 14 and 15. Paul wrote that we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. And then listen to this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. So Paul is saying I don't understand why I do some of the sinful things that I do. 
And friends, we say the exact same thing when we mess up. I think it's so easy to look back on the choices that we've made over the years and we say, you know, I don't understand why I chose to do what I did. I just don't understand. Well, last Monday evening, we decided to let our boys get their Halloween candy out so that they could uh, trade with each other, eat a few pieces, and then we'd watch a movie. We told them that they could have three pieces of candy. That was it. Once they were done, they were supposed to put their candy back into their bags and then lay down and watch the movie. After we put the boys to bed, my wife found about 10 empty wrappers that had been hidden under the couch right where our youngest son was sitting. Now, when we confronted him about it and asked him why he decided to disobey mom and dad's instruction, you know what his response was? He said, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You know, my son was responding exactly how we tend to respond when we mess up as adults. We we say, I don't know why I just did that. We, We look at the choices that we make and we're left with confusion sometimes. In this passage, Paul used the word I 27 times in 12 verses, 27 times. I think it's safe to say that Paul had an eye problem. And you know what? So do we. The struggle is real, and it starts with I. It starts with me. And before we can deal with the other struggles that we face in life, we've got to recognize and confront the I problem. You know, that struggle in your marriage likely starts right here. It starts with I. That struggle with your kids likely starts with I. That struggle with your job, it likely starts with I. Our struggles often start right here. They start with I. Over the years, I've had several people share their struggles with me. You know, as your pastor, I want to be a listening ear. That's that's part of um, the passion that God's given me is to try to provide biblical wisdom to our church family. I've heard about all kinds of struggles. And friends, I understand that the struggles are real. But sometimes when I hear these things, I just want to say, you're the problem. <laughs> you're, you're what's wrong with this situation. Again, I understand that your circumstances are not always great. And a lot of times they are out of your control. But it's not just your circumstances. It's also you. Now, I don't say things like that when I'm talking with someone one-on-one because they'd probably leave the church and never come back, and I don't want that to happen. But think about this for a moment. What's the common denominator in all of your problems? I'll give you a hint. It's you. You see, we all have an I problem. Have you ever gone on vacation in an effort to get away from all of your struggles only to find that your struggles went with you? This is because you bring you with you. I think this is a reminder for why we shouldn't judge other people's motives. You know, half the time, I don't even know my own motives. Half the time, I don't even know why I do what I do. And we tend to give the same answer that Paul gave when we mess up. And through his example, we're reminded that our inward struggle leads to confusion. Well, the second thing that it leads to is guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. We see this in verses 16 through 18. Paul wrote, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And Paul is saying, the good I want to do, I just don't have it in me. I think he's highlighting the guilt and shame that we often experience in our own lives. Paul knows 
that what he's done is wrong. And when we mess up, we know that our actions are wrong as well. God has given each and every one of us a conscience. When we do something that's wrong, when we sin against God or sin against someone else, we know that it's sin, but we do it anyway. Please know that I'm preaching to the choir today. You know, I'm preaching to myself, but I'm also talking to everyone who's listening. We all do this. We all know that it's true. You say to yourself, I know I shouldn't eat this much, but you do it anyway. I know I shouldn't talk like this, but you do it anyway. I know I shouldn't hang out with these kinds of people, but you do it anyway. We do these things because, frankly, we're pretty messed up. There's, there's something wrong with us. Now, if you're a new Christian, you might experience things like this on a daily basis. You're going to have thoughts and desires that you had before you were a Christian. You're going to want to do what's right, but there's something else that's at work in you that's keeping you from doing it. It's like the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26. Jesus goes off to pray. The disciples fall asleep. Jesus comes back, and this is what he said to them in verse 41. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He's saying God's spirit who lives in us is strong, but our flesh is weak. Our sinful nature makes us weak. Now, this isn't meant to be an excuse for why we sin. Paul certainly wasn't making excuses, but it's just the way it is. You know, and our inward struggle often leads to guilt and shame. I'd like to point out that guilt and shame are not from God. Let me say that again. Guilt and shame are not from God. Satan wants us to experience guilt and shame, but God wants us to experience conviction that leads to godly repentance. Don't confuse the two. Now, that's a message for another day, but please understand that guilt and shame are not from God. The third thing that our inward struggle leads to is compulsions and addictions. Compulsions and addictions. We see this in verses 19 through 20. Paul wrote, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now when you read this third point, the first thing that likely comes to mind is drugs and alcohol. Anytime we talk about compulsions and addictions, I think that's the first thing that people think about. But understand that the process of any addiction, not just drugs and alcohol, starts with a habit that leads to a compulsion, that leads to an addiction. Your addiction might be excessive shopping. Your compulsion and addiction might be food, might be body image, materialism. I mean, the list goes on and on. Truth be told, we all have compulsions and addictions. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how we're really good at rationalizing our own sin. We like to rationalize lies. All right, That's what rationalizing our own sin is, is rationalizing lies. We're really good at making excuses for our sin and then rationalizing why it's okay. We rationalize things like overeating, like gossip, bad stewardship, and being a terrible friend to other people. Again, we're going to talk about these things a little more in depth next week. Well, at the end of verse 20, Paul says, It's sin living in me that does these things. So Paul didn't want to sin. And as Christians, we don't want to sin either, but we do it anyway. I want to say something that most Christians don't want to say out loud, but we all know that it's true. Now, if you're a guest with us, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, I hope you'll come back after I say this, because this is something that, that most pastors won't say. Here it is. Sin is fun. 
Sin is fun. I'm not encouraging sin. I'm just telling the truth. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. Sin is fun, and it gives us pleasure, but hear this. It's short-lived pleasure. My pastor back in Oklahoma City likes to say, for every kick we have, there's always a kickback. For every kick we have, there's always a kickback. Our sins kick back. They come back on us, and there's always consequences. We don't always think about the kickback while we're sinning, but there's always a kickback. You eat too much, you get a stomachache. You shop till you drop, you're going to have an empty bank account. You go buy a car that costs way too much, sooner or later, a bill's going to come in the mail that you can't afford. We need to talk about things like this because God doesn't want sin to control and dominate our lives. Our inward struggle, it leads to compulsions and addictions. God doesn't want that. The fourth thing that our inward struggle leads to is discouragement and despair. Discouragement and despair. Now, we see this point throughout the first half of the passage, verses 14 through 20. And Paul is saying, you know, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I, I know the good that I want to do, but I can't do it on my own. You can almost hear the discouragement and despair as we read his words. Have you ever been there? Verbally, you say that you want to follow Jesus, but your thoughts and your behavior tell a different story. You want to do what's right, but you're feeling pulled in all kinds of different directions. Sometimes we act like our lives haven't really been changed by the gospel. We try to do everything that we can to live for Jesus in our own strength, but it feels like we take one step forward and one step back. It's so easy to experience discouragement and despair when we're trying to live the Christian life in our own strength. You know, like guilt and shame, God doesn't want us to feel this way. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, we're reminded that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the full. In the latter part of this passage, Paul teaches that there are two laws that are at work in our lives. The first law is what he calls the law of sin. We see this in verses 21 through 23. Paul wrote, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. The law of sin is the sin that's deep within us. You know, Paul is talking about our vulnerability to sin. This is something that never completely goes away. The law of sin refers to everything within us that's loyal to our old selfish way of living instead of being loyal to God and his word. The law of sin describes the daily tension, the daily struggle that we experience as Christians, the tension between following Jesus and giving in to our sinful nature. The tension that we experience is that we agree with God. We want to live for Jesus. But there's no way that we can do this successfully on our own. This inward struggle was real for Paul. And friends, it's real for us as well. But thankfully, from Paul's example, we learn what to do about this. There's the law of sin, but there's also another law. That's the law of the Spirit. As Christians, when we try to live for God in our own strength, it's kind of like trying to fly by flapping our arms up and down. You try to do this, you're going to realize not only is it impossible, but you're going to get worn out. You're going to completely wear yourself out. If you try to live for God in your own strength, you're just going to get tired. 
You're going to get worn out. You're eventually going to want to give up. Some of you have been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But today, we need to recognize that we can't do it. We can't do it. In fact, on the count of three, wherever you're at, I just want you to repeat that with me. We can't do it. One, two, three. We can't do it. See, we can't live for God in our own strength. There's no way that we can do this. Thankfully, the law of the Spirit supersedes the law of sin. The law of the Spirit, the Spirit of God who lives in every Christian, supersedes the law of sin. You see, the Holy Spirit is who helps us live for God. And next week, we're going to talk about the law of the Spirit and how God helps us walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. The struggle is real. And sadly, it never completely goes away. But God has provided a way for us to live a life that's set free from the power of sin. A life that's free to live for him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul ends Romans chapter 7 with these words, verses 24 and 25. He says, what a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then here it is. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, the solution to our inward struggle begins and ends with Jesus. The Bible is so clear. Jesus is our rescuer. Jesus is God's rescue plan. I'm so excited to talk more about this awesome truth next week. But today, I want to encourage you to decide that you're going to stop trying to live for Jesus in your own power and your own strength. Stop wearing yourself out. Admit to God that you can't do it on your own that you need him in the driver's seat. In fact, make that your prayer today.